this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Patty is back from Estonia, so the boys are back having some laughs. Week 13 isn't that busy, but it could dictate how the West shapes up. We go deep diving into the NLL awards and ask should there be a most offensive player, plus a four-game parlay. All that more on OTCB. I am an season second against San Diego head-to-head and the rush have an answer it's five to three Tanner Cook continued to work hard King thought about it takes it scores beats full far side Patrick for Jesse King and Calgary regains their lead on their second power play goal of the night 7-6 Ellier has come alive as a goal scorer in the second half a snipe from distance John Phillips to give Vegas the lead, 11 to 10, with just over five to play. Oh, Vince right back at it now, as Dane Smith has the ball. Here's Smith powering his way in close. Looking, looking, hanging onto the ball. Smith for the shot, scores! Scores! The great day, and Buffalo wins it in overtime. Dane Smith with the overtime winner as the Buffalo Bandits edge out the wings. Just another crazy game in the National Lacrosse League. Welcome back to the show, everybody. He's Pat Gregoire. I'm Teddy Jenner. This is the Off the Crossbar podcast. You can find us on Twitter at OTCB underscore podcast. He's at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. And the show on Insta is at OTCB podcast. Uh, Patty, welcome back to the good side of the Atlantic. How are you? Doing good, my friend. Good to be back this side of the pond. It was uh, it was nice to be at HQ in Estonia. Uh, I was there for work, not pleasure, as you probably wonder why the heck would you be in the Baltics uh, during February. But believe it or not, the weather was more like Vancouver in the winter. Oh, a lot of rainy, rain. yeah, like wet snow, um, cool but not cold. Um, but as we left, it apparently it's back to being really cold. And I guess I brought I brought a snowstorm with us because uh, since mm, I want to say Wednesday evening late, so we're recording this then. Uh, Forty shovel like three times, so it's uh, it's it's an oh, absolute yeah. nightmare. Well, it's yeah. freezing cold out here. No snow. Well, we had a little bit of snow, but it is damn cold no, out here. No golfing for you then, I guess. No, I was supposed <laughs> to be golfing today. I'm very upset. I- Tears in my eyes. Um, uh, well, what, you know what? Like the fact that you can even have the thought of golfing in February. I've already been out insane. twice this year. 
That's that's nuts, man. That's nuts. I gotta move out. I gotta yeah. move out. This is um, what, what's the go-to meal in Estonia? Like when you go out, like we always go out for our production meals. Uh, when we're on on road trips with the TSN guys, we always go out for a nice meal. When you guys go out, what's what's the food you're getting in Estonia? So it's again, it's it's because it's in such a unique part of the world. Like so, it's on the Baltic Sea. You you take like a two hour ferry ride north. You're in Helsinki. You go south. It's it's Latvia's there. You're close to Russia. So you get a lot of different blends of 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 cultures. But like it's just your very typical Eastern European food. So you've got like your dumplings, pierogies, that kind of stuff. A lot of um, sausages, some fishes, a lot of fish, like a lot, a lot of fish. The one restaurant we went to, the old Hansa restaurant is the name of it. It literally brings you back to like the old medieval days. Like the 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 waitresses and the servers are all wearing medieval uh outfits like there's no lighting and the food you're eating is like you know a lot of it is wild sausage like oh, wild yeah, nice. gamey sausage so i was eating some deer sausage some boar um uh what else was there there was a lot of crazy things but pretty tasty pretty good i must say i enjoyed it um i don't know why i thought of those but like you mentioned russia like, could you feel any, like, of the conflict of everything, everything that's going on? Could you see signs of it? Were you aware of people being, like, on edge? Or is it not uh, really that part of the world? No, well, I guess well it is, but. you know, it, it is. I mean, it's it's very, very close to, to Russia. So there definitely is, like, I wouldn't say there's no tensions, but you can see a ton of support for Ukraine, a lot of Ukrainian yeah. flags around town. Um, but, again, there is a very pro-Russia um area of of the city and uh, of it so sure I, i'm sure if i i went out of the outer limits of Tallinn, the capital um you might have some of that yeah. tension but in the actual city itself uh nothing besides um you know some flags and and some support there but uh now not to make this a uh a, a, a uh, Estonian politics show, <laughs> but uh, it's actually oh, they're, you've they're, been brainwashed. I see. They're, they're, yeah, no, they're actually going through. Um, they're getting ready for elections. Oh, so wow. a lot of advertisements yeah. for um, different uh, parties and and whatnot. I can't read in Estonian, so I didn't know what it was, but it was very interesting to see how different their advertisements for politics were right. uh, and compared to what we have. Are there are there any sporting events going on like at this time of the year over there? Uh, or do any so unfortunately there wasn't anything while we were there in town that the week that we were there but um they have you know hockey's growing there quite a bit they're big sport um you know two of the big sports soccer obviously not going on right now um yeah. did get to visit the the big stadium there Sweet. um which was pretty cool um but uh i was thinking of it and i was thinking you know like not too far from Czech. I know Latvia has has a lacrosse team now. Yeah. You know, Finland is getting really good. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you know what? I got to come back here and start Zero? a Estonian box lacrosse team because oh. they have a field team. Yeah, I, I did some research. They do have a field lacrosse team. They're members of FIL, so that might have to be my next step. Is uh, oh, a little Estonian pipeline from the beaches to Estonia? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I already think I might. If I'm going to be GM, I think I have my head coach picked out. Oh, and you're going to be like, isn't he Italian? Micah Kersey, his grandmother's from Estonia. He told oh, me my last year. So just I've got my head coach. 
I'm the GM. We're, we're going to build an breaking plan. news. Micah Kersey named new head coach <laughs> of the Latvian or the Estonian men's box across team by GM Pat Gregoire. We just do it all. We just do it all. Um, all right, let, let's get back to lacrosse on this side of the land. Uh, Toronto rock are absolutely rolling. Um, if you go back to the start of the year, they have that blowout win against Vancouver. Everyone thinks, Oh my goodness, what have we just seen? This is just, a machine then they lose two and everyone's like okay okay maybe they were just beating up on a really weak vancouver team but they have found something maybe it's the moving challenge back to transition that we all kind of pined for uh maybe it's just everybody getting more and more comfortable but this is an absolute wagon right now and they are going to be tough to beat as long as they stay healthy i, I- I mean, obviously, Buffalo is going to have a word the way Calgary. I think some some Roughnecks fans might be able to have a case. But honestly, over this stretch of seven games, has there been a more well-rounded team? I don't think so. I really don't. And even, you know, a couple weeks ago, we're like, wow, Nick Rose, man, like MVP. He kind of has cooled off a little bit. Still playing really well, but like not like – lights out like jaw dropping like how are you going to beat this guy but then their offense goes and steps up again in that that yeah yeah, yeah he gives up 14 they put up 20 what was it 21 yeah yeah it seems that like each side of the ball are able to elevate their game or you know if the offense is struggling the transition is scoring or if the offense isn't playing well the defense is holding it it's just at, on all cylinders this team is clicking and you mentioned the Challen Rogers thing. I don't think he is getting the recognition for how good of a season he really is having this year. And I, I, I don't know if it's because he started the year playing. Oh, now he's back to where it is, but he like, if you want to actually go with like, who is one of the most valuable players to their teams, like are we going to get into this, this discussion already? <laughs> like he's got to be there. Is he having an MVP season? No, I don't think he's having, he's having an unbelievable season. Yeah. But like, if you take Challen Rogers off this team, the complete dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. It yeah, really I does. I agree. It, it's, I think it's because we're so used to him being just so dominant and he doesn't stand out like a Zach Courier does. I, I don't think because just because he plays such a steady game where Zach's a little flashier, he's a little faster. Mm-hmm. He scores maybe a few more highlight real goals, but Chown is an absolute monster and he plays a very physical defensive game. He's in incredible shape so he can play a 45 second D shift and go up and play a 45 second O shift and then still have the energy to go back on D like mm-hmm. he's an incredible athlete and he's incredible across where I think we're just so used to seeing him be so consistent that now when he has to kind of reinvent himself and go back to what he's been doing, I think it gets lost. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. You take him out of the equation in Toronto and that that's a, a different looking team. Sure. They still have Schreiber and they still have Nick Rose and Desnu and all these other incredible across players, but like you said, when you talk about most valuable, he is an incredible piece. And like that game was close. It was a two goal game at one point. It was six, four. And then Toronto just blew the, the, the game wide open. And Challen was a big part of that it, scoring goals from transition in settled five on five. Uh, and yeah, this is a team that just continually impresses me night in and night out. And then the other team, Oh, I saw the finger. You wanted something to say there. You had something. 
You had something. I no, we can okay, just maybe we don't have to stay on this, but that goal Tom Schreiber scored when he that shorthanded goal dodges down the alley like it's in field across switched hands and ripped it. Like yeah. that's twice now we've seen him do this this year. I know he scored once last year on the power play switch of hands. Yeah. Is is he now going to start implementing like switching hands and make it more of a, a thing? He did it see? earlier in the game and he got a reset off. Of it. Yeah. And it was like he went again down the eye, down the alley, right to left, switched hands and went low to low and almost beat Dobson. And I, he got a reset and then he did yeah. it again. And it's just because the thing is, as a defender, it's like we want to force him, yeah. like allow him to go there. Oh, you want to hands? Go right ahead. Yeah, it's like that's such a low percentage shot. But when yeah. you shoot like that, it's like it's not that low percentage when it's, no. it's Tom Schreiber. Yeah, just yeah. ridiculous stuff, yeah. man. And, and you know, when when you go back and look at the evolution of the game of lacrosse, and you know, people started saying, "Oh, you throw the backhander because you've already run past your angle." So you go over the shoulder to increase your shooting angle. Well, as he's going down the lane, switching to your left isn't really increasing your shooting angle. It's Mm-mm. just giving you more space to get your hands free. And the fact that he can do that, we all, I remember like whenever Americans first started coming league in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they always did that. Yeah. And everybody's like, what are you doing? We don't do that in box lacrosse. And now Tom Schreiber saying you can do whatever the hell you want in mm-hmm. box across. Like there was yeah. that goal that he scored where he came across the top, took a shot, got his own rebound <laughs> and then flicked the backhand top cheese. Yeah. Like the guy is incredible. And I think the, the conversation of who's like the best in the world at lacrosse right now, when you look at Schreiber, you look at courier, um, you look at some of the guys that are in the PLL, it's just incredible at the level of this game right now. And I just, I shake my head when people say they don't enjoy watching the level of the game it is right now because of offense, defense. They think it's too slow and methodical and boring. They can't get into it anymore. I don't know what you're watching because <laughs> the game is the best it's ever been. And the Calgary Roughnecks are a team that is playing some incredible across and I just I mentioned this in the broadcast because at one point Vancouver got into a track meet with them and I said you do not want to get in a track meet with the Calgary Roughnecks and it became evident as that game went on anytime Vancouver tried to run against them Calgary would score in reverse transition or would go back and forth and back and forth and the transition game that Kurt Miloski has employed in Vancouver starting with Christian Del Bianco with Zach Courier, with Shane Simpson, with Ethan Ticers, with Reese Callies, with Jeff Cornwall, like all these guys that run the floor. It blows my mind how effective they are and more so how smart they are with not turning the ball over, not trying to force things. Like as a coach like myself, I know you watch games, whether it's where you're broadcasting or whether you're going back and watching, you see a transition defender running up the floor and an old guy's like sprinting out the gate and he has maybe a half step and you're like, don't throw it. Don't throw that pass. And then they throw the pass and turn it over. The best transition teams in the NLL don't make those mistakes. They value possession. And that's one of the things Calgary does so, so well. And one of the big reasons they've gone on this winning streak. And one of the best teams in the NLL right now. They're one of the best teams in the NLL. And they're 
probably the most fun to watch. And you yeah. mentioned, you know, some of the old heads don't like the way the game is with offense and defense. Well, start watching some some roughneck games because yeah. it's it's very similar to old school lacrosse, but they are, you know, in unbelievable shape and supreme athletes the way that they're able to play this game. And you mentioned like you don't want to get into a track meet with the roughnecks, which is so true, but sometimes they don't allow you to have the decision. (laughs) They say, we're going to make this a track meet because that's what happened a few weeks ago playing Halifax. Halifax tried to slow it down and grind it out. And, you know, they were, which is probably, I think what you need to do, you need to slow down that game, but then you have to be quick to get off the floor. Yep. You have to be quick to get back. You can't be in that limp because up and out, Christian Del Bianco is going to find someone streaking down the floor and they're going to make you pay. And you mentioned the decision-making. Of course, guys like, you know, guys like Courier, um, Simpson, Cornwall, they're going to have the green light to take those chances when they want to. And, and you're going to be okay with some of those mistakes, but it's like, it's so ingrained with them that, they're taking only the good looks or they're yeah. forcing those passes when they come. And that's a test. That's a true testament to Kurt Miloski and the way he coaches this team. But the big thing that just blows me away is, is right now courier, his shooting percentage is 73.3 yeah. with 11 goals. <laughs> Shane Simpson has 10 goals and is shooting at a 66 point seven percent this isn't just fire wagon lacrosse like go all out yeah like these are cerebral player players taking chances when they're coming to them and making teams pay it's remarkable to see yeah and, and when you said you know they put teams in a position where they kind of have to play that fast game i think one of the ways they do that is by ve- playing a very aggressive defense out of the gate like they pick up guys really early and try to make them make mistakes, you know, in coffin corner, right. When they get across center, they try to put them in a bad position where they got to throw the ball away so they can create turnover chances. And once you start one turnover chance and you get one three on two, there's probably going to be a two on one going back the other way. And if you mess that up, they're going back on a three on two the other way again. And it's just a, uh, it can be a very calamical air filled moment when you try to, match that pace with them and another team that does that are the saskatchewan rush when the saskatchewan rush want to turn it on they are scary and you know people talk about you know once rubish and dilks are gone they've already lost corbeal once those two guys are gone what are they going to do well Derek keenan is not too worried they have (laughs) an incredible talent of guys like boudreaux coming to his own bk3 jared smith when they get ryan barnable back who Derek Keenan just absolutely raves about it's just going to be scary and it's just incredible to watch this team and Mike Messenger is maybe the scariest guy in the National Lacrosse League just (laughs) in presence alone he and Hasek like he runs over guys runs through guys scores goals goes right back and takes a draw never puts a smile on his face but it's just the the MO of this Saskatchewan Rush team and they finally re- avenged that win in San Diego that they let go back earlier in the season. And they really should be 2-0 against the Seals. 
But this rush team is starting to find their groove. They still have two games in hand on Calgary, so it may look like there's a bit of a gap there. But two wins, and they're tied with Calgary. Um, and I would be very worried about facing the rush as the season goes on. It just seems like they're just building momentum and and, and getting stronger as it goes. You mentioned Boudreaux. Like, we're seeing the Boudreaux that everyone was excited about a couple of years ago at the draft, like what he did in college and what he did playing in junior for Brampton. Like this guy is a special talent and it takes a while as, you know, as a defender in the national lacrosse league, unless you're a true transition guy, like yeah, you're worried about your assignment. You're worried about not like, you don't want to take those chances. I think we're now seeing Jake Boudreaux being like, I've got it. Like I, I can now not think, I don't have to think I'm just going out there and play. And obviously it's the confidence that his teammates has instilled, his coaches have instilled that, Hey, you can go and take those chances. And you mentioned it, man. Like they still have their, a good core of that old championship, but now you have so many young guys around it. It's like, I don't think their defense is as good as it once was though. They won't, they aren't, the green or the black hole. Um, oh, that they what, like 16, 17 when they no. had everybody. No, but <laughs> they're they not that. Midsky and Corbeil <laughs> yeah. and all those guys like Cornwall was still, yeah, that was an insane defense. And I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again, but you know, we're seeing something different. We're yeah. seeing something different and it's again, more athletic right i you're 100 percent right they're more athletic i think they might be more of weapons in transition um but you know there's not quite you know the threat of every time you enter the offensive zone you're going to turn the ball over but they do still have a couple of those guys on the back end that have that capability um is there a goalie controversy in san diego oh man uh, I don't think so because I don't think there has been one goalie that has maybe the controversy is that they don't know if they have a goalie or have a goalie that can win them a championship. Maybe that's the controversy. Yeah. Because. And I, I think. I think Chris Origlier is going to be around for a long time. I think he's going to be very good for a long time, but I think we forget how frigging young this kid is. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure to, to put on a young goalie. Yep especially when they paid the bag for Frankie and put right. a franchise tag on him and everything. Right. Like I think it is a situation where we kind of were like, well, let's just put the, the, the phenom in that and things will be fine. It's like, well, like <laughs> he yeah. is, he still has one year left of junior eligibility, which is wild. Which I know he's wild. from Orangeville, but like <laughs> it's insane. And yeah. you look at the way this, this team is built. Like this is a championship caliber team. I don't know if we've seen a full 60 minutes out of them, but it's in them. They know it. They, they're the ones that have said it. It would be terrible for, for this opportunity to slide out of their hands because they don't have a goalie that can take them to the promised land. Yeah. You know, and keep in mind, they're six and two. They've only played eight games. They still have more than half their schedule left. Right. And, and and there's in first place right now in the West. So, and I, that's why I don't think there's a panic. I don't think no. there, there, but with that being said, there has to be there, unless there's, there is, unless there's full belief that, that O-Rig's the guy and he's ready to go right now, because 
we'll be we'll be interested to see who who we see next. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be concern. There's got to be some thought. Like, do we ship out? Do we ship out Frankie now? Do we try to get something for him? Do we go out and get a, a true bonafide number one? But where are you going to find that? That doesn't grow on trees. Or is it like okay? O'Rig's going to be our guy. Maybe he's got to be our guy a little bit earlier, and maybe he's not going to keep teams to ten goals. But we're confident enough in our offense that if if we keep him to twelve, we're going to be able to score fourteen. Like maybe that's it. I don't know. We're not in that locker room. We don't know. But there are some very smart people in that organization. Yeah. There's some smart guys on that bench. I believe that they have a plan or they have faith in what they have going on right now. Vegas has won three of four. They knock off Albany 12, 10 Zach Greer has found the fountain of youth, uh, 14 goals in his last five games. Um, is this a team that can make a push? Is it too late? I think if this was last year, if this was the West of last year, sure. But man, this West is, is tough. Like, Colorado, I know they're banged up and, you know, they could be looking on the outside. Yeah, that's um, looking scary. in, right? Which is nuts. I just, you know, I, I do think they can string some some wins together and I think they can be competitive. They can make a push. I just don't think they're at that level that some of these other teams are, really. I agree there. Uh, and okay. you look, though, like, look, look, look at the teams that they have beaten as well. Um, you right. know, they 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 beat Colorado, who might not be as good as we think they are. Um, it was also on a back to back. They beat Vancouver, and then they beat an Albany team, which it seems like the wheels are falling off at a, yeah. a historic clip. Not taking anything away because they are no, a you still got to win the team. game. Still got to win. But listen to this stretch coming up. It's 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 Calgary, it's San Diego, it's Vancouver, Panther City, Rochester, Colorado. San Diego, Calgary, San Diego, Saskatchewan. That is a very five hundred. <laughs> that is a very tough schedule to yeah. end the season. Whereas Panther City has, I have, I funny enough, I have this written down because Panther City and Colorado play the third game of their season series this weekend after what was a wild game down in Fort Worth this past yeah. weekend. Uh, Panther City has three games against sub five hundred teams left, and Colorado only has two games against sub five hundred teams. So. Those three teams are definitely going to have to be playing some excellent lacrosse to get into the playoffs, whoever it may be. Um, but what what did you make of the end of that Panther City game? And do you think it carries over? Because I, I think it was just the the tweet that Colorado put out was don't touch Hopi. And I think it was very apt in the fact that uh, might have been Medeiros hit Hopi in the back and, and Sullivan jumped in and, and Chaster jumped in. I thought it was a team sticking up for their captain. Um, there might be some retribution, but I think Colorado's got to focus more on the win than than getting you know physical payback. I think there is always going to be carryover to especially when you play this quickly. Yeah, right. Like people are going to remember, but you you nailed it. Like I think the message in that room, and I don't even know if it needs to be said. Like they know what's what's more important. Like they know like a loss here puts a huge dent in their playoff hopes. Um, if the game gets out of hand, yeah, maybe there might be some retribution. Yep. Yep. But I, I think they're more focused on the task at hand and and paying them back with a loss, you know, and, and getting back, back on track, being in that building. Um, 
it's just, again, I don't, I don't want to count out this Colorado team because every time you do that, they make you pay. We saw what and, happened last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, injuries. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it comes to a point where it's like, you can only be so injured and yep. are they at this point? I don't know, but uh, yeah, they've lost Capito for the year. Dutch was placed on IR. He's probably be a game time decision this weekend. Robinson's been banged up. Lager's been banged up. They just got Gibby back. Um, you know, they're still without Ryan Lee. So yeah, there's a lot of injuries within that organization and, but a lot of heart and a lot of character. So we'll see how they bounce back. And then two 13, 12 games over the weekend, uh, we heard the Dane game winner in overtime against Philadelphia, and then Halifax holds on to beat New York. Philly's starting to find it. New York's starting to find it, but it might be a little too late for those teams, whereas I think Buffalo and Halifax were, are happy to escape with wins. Yeah, I, that's a perfect way to put it. I think Buffalo, like uh... – it was the dumb and dumber. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets heads are falling <laughs> off like bodies after bodies just dropping. And they were able to find a way Dylan Robinson, a rookie yeah, that's playing D ended up having to go with the odor because like, they just didn't have lefty bodies. Like there was, there was jokes that JT was getting ready to go throw <laughs> his gear on because they had such a little amount of forwards out there, but that's what good teams do. They find, yeah. find ways to, to win. On the flip side, Halifax, like that's a that's a character win for them. Like they mm-hmm. they needed that badly. They needed that really badly. But give credit to New York, man. This team, like a team with less character, would have probably packed it in four or five different times already this season. And they just will not give up. They will not give up. And I think it's too late for them. I definitely think it's just far too, far too big of a hill, but I think they've got some wins left in them. And I think this group has shown that um, they're not ready to quit, even though the numbers are against them. Philadelphia, on the other hand, I don't think it's too late for them. Um, They'd have to hope that either Rochester or Halifax falls off a cliff and they can close that gap, but they seem like they're getting closer. They're getting closer. It's just, you hope it isn't too late, but if I, if I had to say, I don't think it's over because you you look a couple of wins here, a couple of losses for Halifax, they're right right back into the things. And, but you got to keep in mind, let's just say it as it is. There is no way in hell four teams aren't making it out of the West this year. Like, Not a chance. There could like, be five. There could be five say, teams in the West. We could do a that reverse crossover. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Screw it. There's just one crossover spot. It's not East or West. It's just it's yeah. It is East or West. It's not one way. Um, I, I hated seeing Kevin Orleman get hurt. Oh man, I know. He his younger brother, obviously Stephen, was is their number one in New York. They brought Kevin in. They just activated him. And Steven doesn't have a great game. They bring Kevin Orleman in. He starts playing fantastic, right? Like is playing unbelievable. And then just is down on his knees, makes a swipe for the ball, tries to get back in position and just non-contact, no reports of what it is, but instantly you knew something was wrong. And I don't know if it was a re-aggravation of a prior injury, but he immediately was taken off the floor and Steven had to come back into that game right after New York had gotten back into that game. Mm-hmm. 
and then it just it it went down and Halifax capitalized but you never like see and there we've seen so many injuries in the past few weeks of guys going down and, and let's hope that Kevin Orleman is going to be okay and he'll be able to get back in but that was just you know the, again there's been so many injuries and season ending injuries already that was just one that you hated seeing a guy had just gotten back in had gotten his team back into the game and then gets hurt I hope I hope I hope I hope it wasn't that he rushed back and re-injured yeah. what he had. I really hope not because uh, that would be, I mean, it's, it, it's heartbreaking anyway you slice it because I think we're, we're not going to see him for a while, but um, you would hate for it to be a guy rushing back, trying to force it because at this point in the season, like you look at the standings, sure they could get back into it, but the chances are it's, it's very unlikely. And um, he was playing so well too. He was, he was playing so well. Just yeah, it's heartbreaking, man. Really hard. So uh speedy recover to him, speedy recover to Capito and, and Brett Hickey, and Ugh, and hopefully yeah. Josh Byrne comes back and and all these guys, Ryan Lee gets back in, like all these guys that continue to go down with injuries. I just hate to see it. So um stay safe out there, fellas. Keep your bodies in good shape and, and hopefully we don't have any any more devastating injuries. Um, Patty, if the playoffs started today in the east, it would be Buffalo hosting Halifax, Toronto hosting Rochester. San Diego hosting Panther City and Calgary hosting Saskatchewan out west in one game winner take all. Who wins? Let's start out west. Okay. And I'm going to say that in a one gamer, I honestly know nothing would really surprise me, but I'm going to take San Diego over Panther City. And I think just the experience with yep. this seals team allows them to push through um mm-hmm. calgary versus saskatchewan <laughs> flip a friggin' coin honestly man. seven games between those two teams. yeah exactly one game's not fair uh, if i had to choose gun to my head i'll go with calgary i'll go with the higher seed um t- toronto rochester I'll go Toronto. I know Rochester beat them. I just think Toronto's the better team. I I think they're just built for the playoffs this year. Buffalo versus Halifax. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm going to say Buffalo, but what I'm going to say is that I think if Halifax had to choose between Toronto and Buffalo, I think they would rather play, play Buffalo. Because I think the way that they play matches better against Buffalo. And I think their speed or lack thereof on the left side uh, would get exposed against Toronto. We saw it obviously in that game that they already played. They got ran out of the the arena. They also were tired. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how much that would come into play. And I think Buffalo, they would match better, but I do think Buffalo would win. And I know I'm being chalky there, picking all the num- you know, the top seeds, but I truly believe in every single one of those matchups in a one gamer. Oh, I absolutely. Would be, I would it doesn't matter who the four, the eight teams are in a one game or anything can happen. Like Buffalo could come in. I could see them have an incredible defensive game plan and Warren stands on his head. Rochester could figure out, the demon that is the Toronto rock and pull out a win. Panther city could shock the world and beat up San Diego and Saskatchewan Calgary. He said a flip a coin. Those two teams are going to play a, a 13, 12 game, a, an 18, 17 game, a seven, eight game. Doesn't matter. It is going to be intense and it's going to be close. So 
I, I think right now, maybe from a Canadian broadcasting um, perspective, <laughs> they would like to avoid Calgary and Saskatchewan playing in that first round in a one game. Um, but we're going to be set up for some incredible playoffs, no matter who we get. Um, it would be absolutely crazy if Colorado didn't make it, but again, injuries can cripple a team and sometimes too many injuries can be too much to handle, especially after all of the emotion that they went through last year. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'll go first. Uh, it was an incredible week, uh, all across the national crossing, but, we talk about the best loose ball guys in the National Lacrosse League, and generally, they're guys who take faceoffs. Just the nature of the position, they're always popping it to themselves. They're always winning loose balls. So when you get Withers and Baptiste and Erlin and Courier up there in loose balls, you can kind of skew their numbers a little bit because they're the ones around the ball the most. Reed Bowering has yet to take a single faceoff in his entire NLL career. And this year, he's just two fa- or two loose balls behind Jake Withers. He has 143. Wiz has 145. They play the same amount of games. But Bowering is doing it without taking faceoffs. So he has to work twice as hard to get those numbers. And he put up 21 this past weekend against Calgary. It is absolutely incredible what he is doing. And I know they would like to see maybe a little more offensive production out of him. And I'm sure he would like that as well, especially after the numbers he put up his rookie year. But Troy Cordingly told us this this week. He has him on both face-off teams, like both man-down teams, chase team, first unit defense. He is playing every single pretty much defensive shift that he can. They're okay if he doesn't put up the offensive numbers because he means so much to them on the defensive end. But watching him in person, he's just an incredible talent. And I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves of how good he is at his job. Maybe because he's in the West. Maybe because he's still only in his second year. Maybe it's because he doesn't take faceoffs. But Reed Bowering is one of the best in the National Lacrosse League, and the guy needs some love. Going to give him a, a ton of love. I'm excited to see him up close and personal this week uh, in Saskatchewan talking to you know guys on his team they all just credit his compete level his fitness and just his willing to want to get better mm-hmm. like he's a guy that is always watching film like the game finishes and he's already asking for film he's a guy yeah. that just wants to get better puts himself in the best shape because he knows you know that allows him to be out on the floor more that gives him more opportunities to win fa- uh, face off battles and you know as guys are getting tired and and more exhausted during the game it's like he's getting better and getting stronger um and that's a special tap like i i asked i asked uh Brett Mitsky this week like you know you've played alongside a lot of really good players have you ever been have you ever played with a guy as good as loose balls as bowering and he said you know what like i've never seen a guy like he's looking at 21 last week. He's like, I, I can't recall guys that I played with that. He goes, the only guy that I could even come close to comparisons, Brody Merrill. And yeah. that's pretty high praises. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, Brody didn't take faceoffs. Veltz took a few, um, you know, obviously Snyder is going to be one of the all time greats at loose balls. He took a ton of faceoffs, but again, the fact that he, and maybe it's, it allows him less wear and tear because he's not, you know, in the down position, 30 times a game, but man, he is just so good at it. So, so good at it. What's your thumbs up, Patty? My thumbs up goes to the fact that 
every time now the season starts, we just assume Dane Smith is going to be on the war path of breaking his own record. Last year came shy two points of breaking his 136 points record back of 2016 finished with 135. Well, this year on track for 147.6 points per game right now. So not only is he on pace to beat it, he's on pace to shatter it, but he's not by himself this year. <laughs> he's got a, a running mate, and we might see a little bit of a Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire race for the record as Jeff T as well on pace for 147 points. Unbelievable. And Tom Schreiber is a little bit further behind. He's on pace for 126. So we have three players in the National Lacrosse League that are set or on pace to have over 120 points. Yeah. That is insane. Madness. Uh, the, the crazy thing about Teat is that he had back-to-back goalless games like mm, five weeks, six weeks ago. He scored 28 goals in his last five games. <laughs> I know. And like, I, I know the discussion when you talk about MVPs is it's always hard to give a guy on a losing team the MVP, but really where would this New York team be without him? Mm-hmm. And it, it's crazy to think. And um, what those three guys are doing uh, is just mind blowing. And Dane just has taken his game to another level with his, his running mate, Josh burnout and, you know, now that Callum Crawford has moved on from New York, Jeff T has stepped up his game. Tom Schreiber just continually does it night in and night out. Uh, and they're the three faces of of the NLL right now. And, and it's crazy to see how good they are. And they can do it in so many different ways. Like yeah. Jeff T <laughs> makes it look easy. Like there's rarely a shot where it looks like he's throwing it as hard as he can. That one goal he scored on the power play against Toronto was like backpedaling and just threw a floater over the shoulder of Nick Rose. And then Tom Schreiber makes it look effortless being able to switch to both hands and, and gets it everywhere on the floor. And, and Dane Smith is just um, a hybrid. Like he is is so good. His one-on-one game is great. His back down game is really good. But his, like I still think he doesn't get credit for his vision um, and what he can do passing the ball. So uh, thumbs up to those three guys, absolutely. Thumbs down. Uh, I'll let you go first. You're on a roll. So my thumbs down goes to PLL for having this sixes tournament smack dab in the, the NLL season. And, and I love the idea of this. I think it is great. I think the sixes game, everyone wants to shit on it, but like deep down inside, they kind of like it. It's like when you're like the Backstreet Boys. It's like, oh, the Backstreet Boys are lame, but you know every single word to Backstreet's back. The six six is a great concept, but you know what makes six is great is the two-way players, the dynamic players, the guys that can, you know, score on the inside, the guys that can play a little defense, can run in transition. You know who also does that is NLLers. You know what would be great to see? Tom Schreiber play sixes. Jeff Teat plays sixes. Lyle Thompson plays sixes, but we're not doing that because they play in the national lacrosse league. And we're seeing a product right now that is pretty good, but it could be better. And because the PLL, of course, sees an opportunity in between NFL season before theirs to display this. I get it. 
But for them to just ignore the fact that the NLL is going on right now is absolutely asinine to me. Um, it is a huge miss not having these guys here because you want to promote your sport. You need the best players in the world to be playing that sport. And they're not. They're not. Yeah, sure, there's some. Grant Amet's playing. Brian Costabile's playing. Um, there's some other big names out there but it's not the best of the best and you are not truly showcasing the game properly. I, I don't know who said it. Someone it might've been one of the American guys in our chat group, but it, it reminds them of the NBA all-star game and even an NH, and an NHL all-star game. It's just, it's back and forth and incredible goals, but you're just kind of like, yeah, they're, they're not really playing elite defense they don't have the best players it's just i enjoy watching it because i'm a big fan of goals but Mm -hmm. i still think they could tweak it they could probably make the nets a little smaller Um, oh yeah it's a work in progress it is a work in progress and i understand that this is the process of getting lacrosse into the olympics but i completely agree with you the fact that they do it smack dab in the middle of our season um and and continually fail to omit the NLL and and not give it the credit and not mention it and all those other things. It's just it's a it's a slap in the face to all across all box across players that are out there to the NLL. Um and it's it, it's, it's a just a discredit to even PLL fans that they yeah. can't see this product with yeah. the guys that should be playing it. And it would like I I think it would be so much better. Like the chaos, for example, if they're in this tournament, how much fun would it be Dane Smith and Josh Byrne playing this? Right. Jeff Teets playing this. Like I know we saw a taste of them during, you know, the the World Games this past summer, but we didn't see it at the level where it's like elite on one side, elite mm-hmm. on the other side. Because yeah, you Team USA was strong, but it wasn't as strong as it could have been. No, it wasn't their best team. But if if you had this tournament where you did like even if it was a even if it was a, a showcase All Star game for the PLL Canada versus us or Canada, us Iroquois three game, like a three game set or, or, or like I mentioned um, might be a little bit of a spoiler alert. All-star game PLL versus NLL in sixes. You meet halfway, you play that. Um, I know it's very schoolyard rules, like meet us at the flagpole here. We'll play you guys. Probably never going to happen. But then you add that little bit of more extra competition. It's not just, ah, it's a, it's you know, it, it's it's sixes. We're showcasing the game. That's yeah. why I think if you if you put like a flag on uh, on a jersey or you have NLL versus PLL, there's more bragging rights. So it, it probably um, gives the players a little more to play for. Yeah, and I know uh, Tari, official locks girl on Twitter. Um, put the tweet out saying, you know, I know the internet would burn, but I would love to see American pros versus Canadian pro sixes. And it, it kind of already has happened. It wasn't the top USA team. They did it at the summer showcase and, and we've kind of seen it a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think it would be a really cool idea to do an all-star game of NLL versus PLL sixes. Maybe it ends the debate. Who knows? But I think the fact that, and I know Aiden York said it, there's got to be a way that we can bring the NLL and the PLL together 
and just put all this bullshit behind us and move on for the greater yeah. good of the of the NLL, the PLL, sixes, the world of lacrosse, period. Uh, 2,400 in Fort Worth this past weekend, 3,500 in Albany. Both teams have under 4,000 home average in attendance. It's not good. And it's unfortunate that we have so many positives going on in the National Cross that we still have a few teams that are outliers. Um, I don't know what the league will do, if they can do anything, but we just need these organizations to find a way to get fans in the seats um, sooner rather than later. And this is this is why, um, you know, with previous leadership, like, great. You know what? Expansion's phenomenal. Um, getting new new teams is, is outstanding. Uh, but at the same time, like, let's focus on some of the current teams that we have and making sure they're healthy. And I think that's what Brett Frude, you know, mm-hmm. that was one of the big things that was asked, like, is expansion in the horizon for it? And he's kind of like, let's just kind of s- assess what we have. And I think he probably is looking at a, a Fort Worth or an Albany. And Albany was showing signs last year. Yep. That they could be, you know, they're never going to be Buffalo that have 14 in that building or even a, let's say, I don't know. Not a Halifax. A Halifax, exactly. But if you could have that seven, six and a half every single game, yep. that's sustainable. But under 4K, and that also goes to show like winning, Matt, like they were more competitive than last year. So, but I think, I think, I think, these franchises i know it's early it's only year two for both but like ah, i don't want to start talking about relocation already but i think it's i think these discussions might be maybe happening already and for albany it's it stinks because you know it is a traditional lacrosse area it's more field lacrosse maybe it's just not going to catch on but if it wasn't for the pandemic like we were hearing that there was a good chance that this team was going to be you know, in Montreal, out just outside of Montreal and Laval, but uh, COVID restrictions, the borders just didn't allow them to do their due diligence to test out the arena. They ended up going with Albany. Like, does that do I, does it mean if they go to Laval um, that this is, we don't know that, but Mm -hmm. like you want to think maybe, but again, um, let's just, I'm glad you you brought this up because I think there is a lot of praise for the Buffaloes, the Calgarys, the Halifaxes, Philadelphia is getting some good crap. Like ticket sales are up. This That's great. That is fantastic. And we need to applaud those fan bases. We need to applaud the front offices um, that are doing such a great job bringing in tons of these fans. And I'm not saying Albany and Fort Worth aren't doing it. I'm sure they're they're banging their heads against the wall, wondering why can't we get people, especially Fort Worth. It's a beautiful arena. It's a team that is so much fun to watch, and they're winning, and the fans aren't coming. Yeah. But I'm glad you're putting this spotlight on it because I think people need to realize that just giving it, handing out expansion teams like Candy isn't a healthy thing for no, the league. No, and I, you know, I. To whatever Nick Sakevich's plans were, he had an idea and he wanted to run with it. And I think those of us who had been around the world of lacrosse for a long time kind of looked at it and was like, eh, that's, uh, you're a little too big for your britches in this <laughs> And you're right. I think Brett Fruit does see that. And I think, you know, I, 
you know, whenever I talk about, you know, free agent stuff next year, I'm like, oh, well, they'll probably protect this guy. I'm like, well, there's not an expansion draft that we know of next year. So there's not going to be that. We're not going to have that, you know, mentality of protecting. I think it's an idea. It's an opportunity for us to continue to help the lessers build up. Like if those two teams just double their fan bases, triple their fan bases, they're still in that, like you said, eight, seven to nine range, which is ideal. But that's a lot. That takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of man hours and a lot of effort in the community. And and after two years, if it hasn't happened, what makes you think it's going to eventually happen? So uh, hopefully those organizations, New York as well, uh, can turn things around and get more butts in the seats. All right. We are at the halfway point in the National Lacrosse League season. We've played 52% of the games or whatever it is. So let's do some awards talk. And for some of the awards, I think there are some bona fide winners already. Mm-hmm. Rookie of the year, Jonathan Donville. The the Jack Hanna story is great. Dylan Robinson is a wonderful story. Danny Logan is a great story. But I think this is Jonathan Donville's award, and there's no two ways about it. But every other award is going to be up for heated debate. And let's start with, I want to ask you, who's your head coach of the year right now? This one's this one's really tough because I think there are three, four, heck, maybe even five guys that I think you could sit down and get on your soapbox and and give your choices. Like, how do you not say Mike Hazen what he's yeah. will do with this group and what he's he's done? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of love for for Matt Sawyer and how he's you know got this rock team to where they are. But then again, they've been here before. Um, Sean Williams mm. in his first year, Tracy Koloski, could he go back to back? Like possibly, but for me, it's, it's Kurt Miloski. I think when you look at who has gotten the most out of their roster, it's, it's mouse. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know when you break it down that way. I don't know if there's anyone close enough because yeah. on paper, you look at them. They're a great team. They're a great team. Solid, solid team. But when you watch them, that's not just a solid, great team. That's a championship caliber team. Yep. And sure, Christian Del Bianco's playing out of his mind. And Zach Curry is a mutant. And Jesse King is coming to his own. But a big reason they've, they've been able to do that is because Miloski's instilled that confidence in those guys. And I don't think – and obviously as a – media person we kind of have close relationships with some of these coaches and most being a former teammate of mine I, I know the ins and outs of him but we get to watch their morning shoot arounds and their preparation and I have yet to see a coach be more prepared for his team on game day shoot arounds than most and everyone coaches a little bit differently and everyone wants their morning shoot arounds a little bit differently depending on if they practice the night before or not but Mouse is always going through things and he's drilling the systems each and every time his team steps on the floor. And it's just so fun to watch. And you're right. I think Hazen will get some love. Sawyer, if if TK can get his team into the playoffs, absolutely he's got to be in the running. Um, Q, you know, Coach Q. 
yeah, Coach, coach Q, Q for like, what he what he's you know he's only lost three times as a head coach. How can he not be in that conversation? So um, I think Mouse is up there, but there are a ton of great coaches and and some you know the new blood is starting to shine in the National Crossing, and I think that may be you know the the when we get to goaltender of the year conversation. Um, it's the new blood as well. It's not the usual guys anymore. We're starting to see Delbs get the love and Rosie get the love. And, and since we're already on it, you know, I think maybe Del Bianco and Rosie are top two. Uh, Bouquet's got to be there. But I don't know if people are understanding what Nick Damood is doing in Panther City. He's third in save percentage. I think he's fourth in goals against. Um, or it's the other way around. He's third in wins. He's just been absolutely fantastic, but he gets outshone by the other guys. But if you're just looking at numbers, I think Demood has to be in that conversation. But what Nick Rose and Christian Del Bianco are doing right now is just banana lands. And, you know, the numbers are a bit, you know, Delbs has played 600 minutes. Rosie has played a few less because he gets pulled when his team is blowing out teams. Calgary's never really had that option to give CDB a break. So he's played every single minute. And it's shown, but the goaltender position is fantastic. But it's, it's kind of nice to see that it's not maybe not going to be a Matt Vince this year. You know, we all love Vino, but the fact that someone else is going to get recognized as the best in the league is, is fantastic. For for me, like I I definitely do think it's it's a two horse race at the moment. But I I do I do totally agree with you. Like I think that. Um, Damood's not getting the love that that he deserves, and I think it's because just the style of goalie that he is. Yeah, um, he doesn't really make the, the the flashy, brilliant saves like Ryland Hartley. Absolutely should be in that discussion yeah. too. Yeah, like, you're right. he's a guy that has you know put his his team in, in a, a you know a, a position to be successful. But I just look at it. I look at what Delbianco and Rose have done, and I think over the last couple of weeks. Um, CDB's elevated himself, but that's who's not to say that that Rosie doesn't lock it. And Rose, it's not even like these last two weeks he hasn't. Like last week, he was really good. Um, yeah. The week before that, kind of fell off a little bit. But like he was he still going only against, given up eleven once. Yeah, right. Like he's got five single digit games. Like it's yeah. stupid. His numbers it's, are stupid. Yeah, and and I hate the argument. Like I understand the argument of goals against average shouldn't be a goalie's. Uh, stat because the defense is in front but the ball still has to pass the goalie yeah. so it absolutely if you want to if you want to talk more about saves and save percentage sure that's fine but let's not just like not talk about ga like that yeah. is still a very important stat when building um you know your argument for who's a better goalie yeah it's not the end all be all because for sure guys are in front guys are you know you know, reducing the amount of shots, the, the amount of you know shots that you're seeing, but it's still a very important stat. So that's why I don't like when people are talking between Rose and 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 CDB that oh, it's like it's more of a defensive team stat. Mm-hmm. It is, but it also the goalie is a part of the team defense as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, transition player of the year, Courier's the reigning champ. He's probably the front runner right now. But you look at Desnu and Tarafenko and Simpson. There's going to be some guys on his heels. But you said it, Zach Courier is an absolute mutant. And what he does night in and night out from taking faceoffs to loose balls to running in transition and scoring to causing turnovers, there's just nobody like him. 
It's 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 an unfair fight right now. It it really is, and I think this new missing last week due to injury hurts him for his numbers in the long run. Um, but just there isn't really a guy in the game like Courier. Like I think if you're going like best overall player, it's tough for me because like I think obviously he's there. He's in that discussion. I think it's really between like him and and Rogers, I think. Yeah. But like I think I think Rogers is a better defender, and I think I think he's a better offensive player. But everything in between, Courier's better. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good comparison. Like if you separate them as a forward and a defender, I think Challen's there. But it's the loose balls, it's the face-offs, it's him running in transit, all those other things. I think that's where he gets the heads up, and there just isn't a player like him. And that's the only way I know how to describe it. Yeah, really. exactly. It's funny how we we continue to say like each and every guy we've talked about. There's not a player like him. Yeah, <laughs> like know, oh, they're so there's like they're they're so different. Yeah, they're so so different. Um, defensive player of the year is always a tough one to gauge um, because it, it depends on how you watch a lacrosse game. Whether you're a, a, an avid fan, a casual fan, uh, a media person, uh, a scout, or a GM or a coach, whatever. If you don't truly just sit and watch a guy in game film, you might never notice him, and you might, oh, that guy's okay. But then teams will say, oh, that guy's that best. They're he's their best defender. Or then you watch a guy like Hasek, you can just see him everywhere. Brad Kree's everywhere. Kyle Rubish is everywhere. So sometimes it's not easy to gauge who's the best defender, but some guys just rise to the top. And those three that I just mentioned have really stepped up their game and are the elite in the NLL. And, you know, if I'm, I'm giving my, my vote, it's, it's to Cree right now. And I almost think it's not because he's been that much better or better than those two. I just think like it's now it's his time. Yeah. Those other guys have a billion between the two of them, I think, give or take. Um, so for, for me, it's Cree. He also has the numbers to prove it. You talk about it. You want to watch his film. Yeah. He's got the game to prove it. Any way you slice it, it, I think it's now finally time to give him the the credit he deserves. I feel like, you know, I've been saying he's not super underrated and everyone else is now saying he's super underrated. He's not underrated anymore because everyone's saying he's underrated. He is one of the best defenders in the game and he's been like that for the last three seasons it's time he starts getting the respect that he deserves. Yeah. If, if, if everyone says you're underrated, you're not underrated. anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and I, I love the, the story of Brad Cree, you know, he was a, a Vancouver product. They kind of let him walk Vancouver, Toronto welcomed him with open arms and he's just slowly gotten better. And, and he, I think being with the rock has allowed him to work on his game away from the rink more. Obviously mm-hmm. all those guys have the benefit of the of the track and their facilities and the weight rooms and all that stuff but he's really put in the time away from the rink to make himself an elite defender he's in incredible shape he's i don't think people really understand how big he is and he uses that to his advantage and he gets the top matchups each and every night and he just does it consistently so i think it's going to be an incredible race between those three guys uh when it all comes down to it at the end of the year uh the mvp debate is one we could spend hours on. <laughs> and we promise we won't. <laughs> we won't. We've already been doing this for an hour. But 
when you think of most valuable player, what is the one position the top half of the league have that separates them from the other teams? Goaltender. And which puts a heavy emphasis on that person being the MVP. Much like in the NFL, MVP often goes to the quarterback because if you have an elite quarterback, you tend to be one of the top echelon teams. So that is why the presence of Christian Del Bianco in the MVP race is important. Dane Smith, Jeff Teat, they're going to be there. People are always going to look at stats and numbers. And when you're breaking records each and every year, you have to have value. Last year, we had the conversation. Was Dane Smith more valuable to the Bandits than Matt Vince was? And that brings up the conversation of, in the NLL, do we need to keep the MVP but add a most offensive player award, which would then possibly and hopefully open up the MVP for a guy like a Wiz or other defenders to or transition guys as Zach Courier or Reed Bowering to get into that MVP conversation. 1000%. 1010%. Whether it's even even if it's an award for, you know, the John Tavares like scoring title. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's that, even if it is a a just whoever has the most points, they get that honor because I do think it alleviates some some people's mindset that they have to vote for the guy that lit it up like Dane Smith last year you have a hard time keeping him off your ballot because he nearly almost broke his own record yep but at the same time Matt Vince was also a top three candidate so when you look at the definition like how are there two guys that are deemed most valuable on their own team exactly kind of counter counteractive right so but when you look at it, you mentioned the goalie thing. That's like, that's such a great point in football. It's, you know, there's such great emphasis on the quarterback because they impact the game the the most. Same thing with goalies. But when was the last time a goalie won an MVP? Steve Dietrich. Yeah. Back in 2006. When was the last time a non forward won an MVP? 2011 Jeff Shatler transition. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he played a heavy dose of offense. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. He also won transition player of the year that year, right? Yes. Yeah. So to me, it's like there is, it's built in that way, but for whatever reason, the voting just tends to go with who's got the most points or who's close to the top and who helped affect their team uh, the greatest that year. So for for me, it, it, I think it, it does then, but, but there is a case though. I hope if that award is built, and it's created, I then I just hope then, you know, in a case where, let's say, Jeff T breaks Dane Smith's record, he should, pro- and, and and the Riptide make the playoffs, he should win MVP, and he should win the top offensive player. Yep. So. I agree. There, there's got to be a balance for both, because I, I think it's going to get. Every other position has their own award. Yeah. Forward, exactly. No. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of why the 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 trend for MVP goes to forwards, like you said, because those guys don't get the recognition. So if we add a forward award, MOP, whatever you want to call it, the John Tavares Award, the John Grant Jr. Scoring Champ, whatever, it then highlights them 
and makes an even playing field for all four positions on the floor, which then creates a better idea of MVP. So you on that, on that note, because I think we've we've beaten the the dead horse into the ground here, and I think everyone agrees with it at this point. I hope they do at least. Let's let's hope this happens. But now you've got my 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 brain turning here, because you know we have the Les Bartley Memorial Award. Are we going to name would, trophies now? I mean, we don't have to do it right now. Oh, we can. We're here. What like what would you what would you like to see some of these? Tro- I think you got to wait for for like, I mean. Rookie of the year, I don't think you can name that. I think that's got to stay the rookie of the year. But, you know, could you, could you, I would love to see the MVP, like the Gaylord Palace MVP. Yep. I'd you like to do, see some of that. You know, the, the goalie could be like once Vino retires, it could be the Matt Vince award. It could be, um, you know, transition could be the Veltman. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a conversation we have all the time. And I, I, I just, think I think I think it honors the, the spirit of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely something we should do. It shouldn't be a, a sponsor award. You know, you can save those for like the sportsmanship award and things like that. But when it's it's elite players, I think you need to honor the greats of the game and find a way to name those trophies after legends of our sport. And say what you will about the PLL. They've done that and they did a they great did. job with that. And yep. and I think they did a really, really, really good job with that. So I would, I would love to see that. And whether, like I said, if it's, even if it's not NLLers of the past, like, you know, like, you know, even going deep, deep into to history, I would love to see some sort of homage, at least for some of them. The, the yeah. Trophies. Again, it doesn't have to be every single one, but if you're going to make an MOP award, and separate the MVP and the forwards you could do, you know, the forward could be the junior John Grant jr. Most offensive player award. The MVP could eventually be the John Tavares award, whatever it may be. But I agree. We need to, the elite awards, we need to find a way to honor the greats who got us to where we are. Yeah. 100%. I know we're, we're getting there You know, we made strides with the hall of fame, obviously, covid leadership change all that has put a uh, you know a halt into some of that stuff i hope we get back to it because it felt like we were on track with that and um you and i know who the legends are a lot of the people listening to this podcast do some of them don't some of them who are just turning like there are new fans in vegas there are new fans in halifax that might not know who some of these are and they need to know like if you're a new hockey fan within I'd say maybe a season you figure out like if you're a Leaf fan and a brand new Leaf fan, say you just moved to the country and you, you fall in love with the Leafs, you go to a Leaf game, you turn on a Leaf game. At some point in the broadcast, they're going to mention Wendell Clark or Johnny Bauer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or you go, you go to the game, you see legends row. Um, you go to the hockey hall of fame. There needs to be the youth, the new fans, whatever it may be. They need a place where they can go. And even if it's a virtual Hall of Fame online, yep. they need to go to see who these greats are and why and how we got to this place. Absolutely agreed. We are into, what is it, week 13 now in the National Lacrosse League? Holy crap. How week is that 13, possible? five games, uh, two on Friday, Panther City 
at Colorado season series on the line. It could really propel Panther city towards the playoffs with the win. They would take the season series from the mammoth as well. We kind of talked about the bad blood after last game. And, but the more important aspect is getting the W if Colorado's healthy and they come ready to play, they should be able to beat this Panther city team. But Tracy Kluski has this group believing in themselves and they're starting to find the rhythm. Jonathan Donville is playing on another level. Will Malcolm is unbelievable. Callum Crawford starting to fit in. Patrick Dodd still does this thing. And a no-name defense that just plays a steady in-your-face Steve Toil defense. Steve Toll as they toil um, defense. Uh, this is going to be one of the games of the weekend. Man, I said it. I said it on uh, Coast to Coast this week. Like this is the game that I have circled. This says so much. So much playoff implication. Two teams that are hungry for different reasons. Panther City's hungry because they want to keep moving. They want to keep building. They want to keep going. And, like, they're not satisfied with where they are. They want to keep winning. On the other side, Colorado, guys are are falling. Guys are coming in and out of the lineup. They're just trying to get by. They're, they, they, they felt that, you know, what happened last week, you know, they're obviously all sorts of fired up. Do we see some of the rough stuff? Do we not? I don't know. Um, this is going to be a must watch game and don't like using the term must win, even though I use it a lot. You use it every week almost. This is a must win. This is a must win for Colorado. You can't lose the season series. No. And it's the team you're trying to catch. Exa- it just can't happen. No. Uh, Calgary at Vegas, the next, uh, also on Friday, which hot team cools off? Calgary's won four of five. Vegas has won three of four. Uh, this is going to be – they only play each other twice, which is kind of weird to me as both being Western Conference teams, but they only play each other twice. So this is the first of two meetings between these clubs. But if Calgary's going to want to be a real deal national lacrosse team, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. And on paper, this is a game they are supposed to win. Um, but they're going to have to find a way to stifle Zach Greer, find a way to slow down Jack Hanna, um, and get inside that big imposing defense. Probably two of the bigger defenses in the National Lacrosse League. So uh, I'm super excited for this game down in Vegas. Uh, I know there's a high school field lacrosse tournament going on this weekend. So there should be a lot of people hopefully at that game. I know Molly and Jack are going to be there. Um, so it's going to be nice. a, a great time in Vegas on Friday night. Saturday, New York at Rochester uh, off a of bye week, Patty. You think Rochester can keep up their momentum or does New York finally get 60 minutes? I I know it's our job to say what, what we know, but I don't know. I really don't know. Like, that, I think the e- no, you know, you don't know. The, the easy answer is like, yes, of course, Rochester, better team on paper. But the way that New York is playing and not giving up, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they outlast them and, and, and are, you know, find a way to, to come out with a win, like, if they are going to win, it's going to be like, like this, this game, like if it's, if it's a blowout, it's going to like, obviously Rochester is going to run away with it. But I yeah. think like it could be like last goal wins, honestly, just like, I think that like you talk about getting into a track meet with, with, um with Calgary. Like, I think New York is maybe going to realize like defensively, like, I don't know if we can slow down this team. So let's just try to light the lamp and just outscore this team. And the way that they've been shooting the ball and the way that Jeff T's been playing, I, 
it could be possible. Ryland Hartley is an unbelievable goalie, but if you can get to him early, uh, he's shown signs of, of him being human. I think that's, that's, it's so cliche, but I think the big important thing for both sides is getting off to a hot start. Uh, Rochester's won three of five versus New York's so the uh, two expansion teams uh, all, will always be linked to each other and one doing better than the other will always not sit well with one of the teams and right now that's Rochester playing some incredible across against a New York team that just continues to struggle um, they need 60 minutes whether it be from Stephen Orleman or whether it be from Cam Dunkerley, who they finally got back into their fold, uh, we will see. Albany at Georgia. Um, I, I want to say this is the game that Georgia gets it right, but they're still winless. But even though they've had two blowouts, there's a story to tell. Quarter one, they're minus 13 in goals, four goals against. Quarter two, they're plus six. Quarter three, they're minus seven. Quarter four, minus 18 for a negative 30 goal differential. That's not going to win you many games when you're playing like that, especially when you're losing three of four quarters. They need to find a way to get out to a hot start, play with the lead and give whoever it be, whether it be Dobby or Wendy in between the pipes, they got to give that goalie some confidence to play with. And I think this might be the weekend they do it against an Albany team that's truly and clearly struggling. This is where... It's an, I think like the, the odds makers certainly um, don't agree, but like, I think like this is a no brainer. Like, yeah, this is the game that, that Georgia wins. They get it right. Like they've been so close. You would know, I don't know, uh, being a part of a couple O for teams. No, 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 no. I won one game each year. Oh, sorry. Yes. One, one. Yes, of course. One. My bad. My bad. I've been one winless team in NLL history. And that was the Charlotte Cobras. So being being a part of teams, I mean, not some terrible teams. Terrible yes. teams. <laughs> this isn't a terrible team, though. Like, it's no. not, I don't I don't think it's a uh, good team, but it's not as bad as their record. They're not shows. an zero and seven team right now. No, and they're no, not even close. Not even close. So, with that being said, though, every time we think we have Albany figured out, they flip flop the other way. Like when yeah. at the start of the year, oh, Albany actually might be good. They start falling apart. Offense goes to side, like goes to sleep. Oh, Doug Jamison's back. Now everyone's doubting them. Like this is where they thrive when they're in the mud, where the team, like everyone's doubting them. There's no pressure on them. This is where they thrive. So I think everyone except for the odds makers are basically picking Georgia win this and finally get over the hump. This is exactly where Albany wants you. Like they're, 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 they're playing dead. They're playing possum. And then you're going to be like, Oh, we got this. And they get up and smack you in the mouth. Like, I think this is where we could be like, okay, yeah, Albany's not dead yet. But at the same time, would it shock me if Georgia comes out here, Lyle goes off, the offense really starts to continue to click. Ranigan gets back in that defense and settles things yeah, down. That's a good addition. And what, for a fourth? Like, that's a, that's a good pickup. I know he hadn't been playing some of his best ball, like in and out of the lineup for Philly. Um but he's going back to a team that he knows really well. And I think that's a great pickup for them. The final game of the weekend, your game, Patty off to Toontown. You go could be a very heated game in Chile, Saskatoon, uh, warriors and rush. How excited are you and Ash and sports hockey play-by-play expert 
Johnny Abbott excited to get to Saskatoon or what? Uh, not with the weather, but excited for this game. I think it's supposed to be like almost minus 40 with the wind chill. But, hey, it's going to be hot in that barn. The fireworks, the pyrotechnics, everything's going to be going. Like this is this is a must-see barn. Like if you're a true NLL fan, if you're a true lacrosse fan, like you got to get out, out, out to this building at some point. Uh, I've been there twice. I've called a game there once. And uh, it's like when I saw it was on our schedule, felt bad for you guys that we were getting a West game out of you guys. But, hey, I'm so excited for this. And I know on paper it doesn't really look like – Nah, it's Vancouver who's struggling, Saskatchewan, they're catching fire. But these two teams play always play well. And as Jimmy Quinlan said quite eloquently um, during Inside the Rush that last week, <laughs> he does not bleeping like this team. And I think the feeling is mutual on the other side. So I'm excited for this game. Um, I think Vancouver, like, they could have packed this in. Like, Jones, they trade Jones. Shus goes down. Salt gets gets cut. Like this is a team that could easily pack it in. The vibe around this team is a lot better than what you would think it'd be. Uh, mm-hmm. They're ready to compete. They're not ready to pack this season in. Uh, not not for any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, being around that Vancouver team quite a bit the last month, um, there could be a lot of heads hanging and, and a lot of finger pointing. But there's not. Those guys just nope. continually want to battle for their brothers and uh, honestly it wouldn't surprise me if this is a game where vancouver puts it all together and steals a win but there's just so much bad blood between these two teams so many (laughs) guys that have been on either side and 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 the rivalry is there uh but saskatchewan just kind of seems to have the number mark matthews there are so many we talked about the the (laughs) players in our game mark matthews may be might be one of the most underrated shooters right now um he can pick short side cheese with such ease it's crazy um and i just i've always loved watching him play and now that marty dinsdale is back in that group robert church is is having an incredible year we talked about some of their guys out of the back end like this is a team that that's putting it all together they are on paper the better team but you have to actually play the game. And, and Vancouver's been close these last few weeks to putting 60 minutes together. And, you know, Aaron Bold, I don't know if he starts. We don't know the, the status of Aiden Walsh, if he's going to be healthy. But if Boldy is in net, you know, that's going to be a, a big game for him, knowing all the past that he's has with that organization, a lot of those guys on that roster. So uh, I'm super excited. There will be a massive dent on my couch Saturday night watching that game. Yeah, like there are like a lot of storylines in this game and it's going to make our our job a lot easier as broadcasters telling that story because um, I for me, it's it's, um, you know, Saskatchewan, they just they have they have this feeling like, yes, that they're back. And and on the flip side with Vancouver, they're focused on the future, no doubt about that. But like you said, it there is, there's no finger pointing right now. Like they, they believe in each other, and maybe it's not this year, but they believe that they can, they can fight to the very end and maybe make some noise. Um, but there's no quit, and and that's just a recipe for a, a big game. And you said it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, if Vancouver shocks the world and comes out with a win you know, on home floor. There would not surprise me one bit. 
All right, we haven't had one in a couple weeks, but it's time to get back on the train. Thanks to our friends at CoolBet. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty, uh, Box Bets time. And... Uh, we are going to try to get right back on this horse in a big way. It is a big way, and it's a big parlay as we have a four-gamer. We're going four games. Um, we each pick two games. We won't say which games we, we pick because then that's when we get the finger pointing in the yeah. locker room. So here's how it's going to shake out. Panther City, despite them being favorites in Colorado, um, we're getting a little creative because that's what you can do at Cool Bet. We shift the line for them to be plus one and a half. So they don't have to win the game. Just keep it close. One goal. Keep it within one, but they could win two. Swarm, Firewolves, under 25 and a half. Nighthawks, Riptide, everyone hammering this over. I don't know if you saw it, Teddy. This game opened up at 27 goals. Everyone's hammering the under. The public Thinks that is far too damn high. You know what? We think it's not high enough with those two dynamic offenses. Give us over 26 and a half. We close things out with what looks on paper to be maybe a sure bet. But as we know in the National Lacrosse League, nothing is a sure bet. But we took the Calgary Roughnecks next to beat the Desert Dogs on the road. Put that all together. Cool bets giving you an exclusive price. At plus nine twenty-five. Love it. Those are some good numbers, Pat. Thank you for that. Um, I know we kind of talked about how we're not happy with it, but there are PLL sixes yes. championship series lines on at Cool Bet as well. Yes, yeah. Every single game you'll be able to bet uh money line, the spread, and of course the total, which <laughs> You guys got beat up a bit. Bookies yeah, got a little beat bit, up a bit on that. A little bit, but that that happens. Yeah, there was, but hey, maybe maybe the defenses and the goaltenders figure things out. It'll come down, but no. Um, yeah, you can bet that, and you can watch that on TSN.ca or TSN Plus um, as well. That. So Good watch that there, or if you're south of the border as well, you know that is on ESPN and ESPN Plus. So um, again, yeah, we're not pleased at the time, but like, it's lacrosse. I'm still gonna watch it. We're still, yeah, we're still gonna watch. Still gonna bet on it. Um, how do people play along? Well, you can go to coolbet.com, and when you go, if you want our exclusive parlay, go to that side tab. You'll hit the exclusives. You'll see all sorts of different exclusives. You'll see our friends lacrosse classified parlay, but you'll see ours all the way at the bottom. Click show odds. You'll see it right there at plus. 925 and of course if you want you're looking wait there's no nll tab that's because we've got it all under one you click the lacrosse tab see nll see pll get all the odds there beautiful all right um we are closing in on the trade deadline march 20th is that day full rosters due on march 23rd um we're still a bit away from that but we're definitely getting going to start to get into some what ifs and some talks about guys we could see on the move. Give some hot takes, some spicy possible trades as we get closer uh, to that date. Next week, we'll have someone to talk with us. 
Uh, we wanted to go in-depth on our awards this week. and been a while since Patty and I had actually talked, so we had a lot to catch up on. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show, at OTCB underscore podcast. And, of course, on Instagram, at OTCB podcast. Uh, bring a parka, bring a toque, extra long johns, um, and enjoy the view from top of sass. Tell Enjoy the game, whichever one you watch. Of course, all games on ESPN Plus or TSN.ca and the Game of the Week on TSPN. On TSPN? Is that a thing? (laughs) It is now. It is now (laughs) on TSN, Vancouver at Saskatchewan. Enjoy the games. Take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. Buy them some beers. Lacrosse, friends and beers. Perfect trifecta. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am.